Back on Canadian soil, two Metro Vancouver police officers return home after being detained for 10 months in Cuba. Danger on the tracks, what some people were doing just to get to the other side of a stuck train in Burnaby. Hey, a second guy in line to get in there and buy some legal cannabis uh, in Vancouver. And Vancouver's weed weekend as the city's first two legal pot shops are now open for business. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks very much for joining us. Well, two BC police officers are now back at home tonight after being detained for nearly a year in Cuba. They were both arrested there after an Ontario teen accused them of sexual assault while on vacation. Our Julia Foy takes us through what finally led to their release today and some reaction from the families involved. Julia? After nine months in Cuba, filled with accusations, anxiety, and finally acquittal, the families of Vancouver Police Officer Mark Sims and Port Moody Police Officer Jordan Long confirmed Saturday afternoon on Facebook they are back home after being acquitted January 4th of sexual assault allegations regarding a 17-year-old Canadian girl. The statement reads in part, These innocent victims of a malevolent lie are at long last home with their families. Did he sexually assault this girl? No. There's no, no doubt in my mind that they are both innocent. But the victim's family has also been steadfast in their belief that the high school student was drugged and sexually assaulted during a grade 12 grad trip to Cuba in March of 2018. In an exclusive interview with Global News in November, the family said, Our daughter is kind, hardworking and compassionate. She had aspirations of being a police officer. Those dreams have since changed. The VPD and Port Moody Police also confirmed the two men are back in Metro Vancouver, but it's unclear whether they will still be investigated regarding their conduct at the time of the alleged incident. Now, just a few minutes ago, I got off the phone with the alleged victim's dad, and he says he was totally surprised by this news. No official actually called the family and let them know that the two officers had been released and are back in Canada. So they were really disappointed about that, and they've since reached out to the Vancouver police. They also say that they don't think that this ordeal is over yet. They're asking for an investigation to take place here in Canada. They live in Ontario and they are continuing to have a relationship and a conversation with the RCMP and the Ontario police. So it doesn't look like this case is any close to being closed just yet. Back to you. All right, Julian, thanks very much for the update there. Now, the mother of an Nanaimo man who apparently went to Syria seeking adventure and has been detained there since last month says she's getting very little help to bring him back home. Andrea Leclerc tells the Canadian press that she has not heard from her 44-year-old son, Christian Lee Baxter, since December the 1st. That's six days after he arrived in the war-torn country, reportedly to visit a girlfriend's relative. Global Affairs Canada says they are aware of the case, but but Leclerc said she has had trouble getting information. Baxter's travel visa has also expired. Canadians have been told to avoid travelling to Syria since 2011, since a civil war broke out that is still going on today. 
And a woman from Quebec travelling in Burkina Faso is also missing. 34-year-old Edith Blaze and her Italian boyfriend were travelling through the West African country with a plan to cross into the bordering country of Togo, where they, where they were set to work on a development project. They were expected to arrive on December the 20th, but they never actually made it. Her mother says she and her daughter always stayed in touch, which is why her family is now so worried for her safety. They've been traveling a lot. They know how to deal with problems. And I'm sure that their personality will help them be well taken care of. Um, I have no bad feelings as being dead or anything like that. Like, I don't have that feeling. I just feel that she's in a bad situation. Global Affairs Canada says they are in contact with local authorities to gather additional information. Back in BC, a stuck train in Burnaby this afternoon led to some very dangerous behaviour. This was a CN freight train that stopped at the Piper Avenue entrance to Burnaby Lake Park for several hours because of a mechanical problem. But people on either side had to wait to get out. As you can see, our camera catching a number of people, including someone with a dog, climbing over the train to get to the other side. A very dangerous thing to do if this train suddenly started to move without notice. CN says they are stepping the police presence at crossings to educate people about rail safety. How long were you waiting? Uh, two and a half hours. Really? Yeah. You know what the problem was? They said it was an engineering problem, which means, I don't know, didn't derail, but something to do mechanically, it sounded like. But they were promising a half hour, half hour, and then uh, yeah, uh -huh. two and a half hours went by. Cannabis users on the Lower Mainland are celebrating after Vancouver's first two legal pot shops are now open for business. Jill Bennett reports. Come on in, let's do this. It's been a long wait for those who lined up even before this cannabis store opened in Vancouver Saturday morning. Um, to be able to come down here today and be able to purchase cannabis legally, um, to me, is history. I'm coming to check out the recreational market of cannabis, you know, because it's been mainly controlled by the streets. This was supposed to be the first legal cannabis store open in the city, but it was knocked into second place when City Cannabis opened on Fraser Street Friday night. And I heard they were opening and I wanted to be the first one to buy. <laughs> and here I am. There are now six legal cannabis stores operating in BC, including the government-run store in Kamloops. Dozens more are in the approval process. As for supply, the owner of this store says there is plenty. I've been working with the cannabis board to ensure we have no blips along the way. There will always be product in the store. I'm excited to be able to pick up some great white shark today. It's one of the strains I uh, first grew a very long time ago. But what about concerns? People who have had their own suppliers for years might be reluctant to go the legal route. Just so much better to be in here, not looking over my shoulder, feeling like I'm doing something shady. Man, I can talk to professionals that know their product knowledge. I'm not buying it just off some guy who bought it off a guy who bought it off a guy. The lineup continued down the block well into the afternoon. There's a lot of cannabis in the city, and I didn't know if people were going to say I'll show up later or if they were going to line up. And it comes in a container like that. As for those who bought product, $29.66 for two grams. And how is that price-wise? Um, I think that's high. Becoming legal is a lengthy process for operators of recreational cannabis stores in B.C. With more locations set to open in the coming weeks, there is one question looming. Just how long will the illegal shops be allowed to stay open? 
Jill Bennett, Global News. All right, we've got some bad weather that is on the way. A strong Pacific storm is set to hit the south coast tomorrow. So let's bring in our Yvonne Shaw with the, the details on that one, Yvonne. Yes, Sonia, you're already starting to see that rain pushing in. Heavy at times for a few spots across the island. And it is going to intensify overnight and leading in towards our Monday. In the wake of the system, so just in behind it, though, for the morning hours and leading into the afternoon, a wind warning has been issued. Victoria, southwesterly sustained with gusts of up to 90 kilometers per hour and a special weather statement for the following areas in blue. Inland sections, eastern sections of the islands, southern Gulf Islands, Metro Vancouver, and into the Fraser Valley. We could see the potential for very gusty and windy conditions, 70 up to 70 kilometers per hour. We'll see gusts leading in towards the afternoon. With this system as well, a significant amount of snow if you're heading along the mountain passes, heaviest overnight, and then easing off late day tomorrow. We've got a winter storm warning in effect for the Coquihalla with up to 25 centimeters. More on the mounts coming up shortly. Sonia? All right. We'll see you here a bit later on then. Now, it has been more than two weeks since that powerful windstorm slammed into the south coast. We're now learning how much it's going to cost to repair the damaged White Rock Pier. The iconic landmark was split in two by that storm. The city now saying it's going to take at least eight months to repair. Paul Johnson reports. It's just something about the pier. There may be no other city in B.C., that so identifies with a single structure as White Rock does with its pier. I think about the pier in every weather condition, every time of day, uh, so I'm very sad. Photographer Marilyn Trenchard sells her work on White Rock Beach. And no surprise, much of her collection is shots of the pier. In fog, covered in snow, a constantly changing vision of her city's landmark. Maybe the oldness about it, because it's, it's over 100 years old, and uh, the beauty of it, the lights. But it was video that captured its dramatic destruction. Last month's storm tore boats from their moorings that smashed the pier in two. So while the city's committed to reopening the pier as soon as possible, it's still not clear exactly what that means as engineers are still trying to determine how much damage has been done and whether this is a repair or a total rebuild. We're still not certain, you know, if some of the piles or pilings are still good enough to use again or whether we're going to have to take them all out. Mayor Daryl Walker expects the work to cost between 5 and $7 million and that it won't be finished until August at the earliest which means the beach's stores and restaurants won't have one of their top draws for much of their critical summer season, which is why the work isn't a question of if, but when. I've been to virtually every community in British Columbia. This is, is really the jewel in our crown. A tugboat and barge came Saturday afternoon in what's certain to be the first of a small fleet of heavy work boats. This old stretch of planks and pilings means so much to so many, it's going to come back. It strikes to the heart of people in White Rock. Paul Johnson, Global News. The avalanche risk in Jasper National Park is still high this weekend. The area was under a winter storm warning on Friday, receiving nearly a metre of fresh snow.
Well, now Parks Canada is working to mitigate the risks by triggering a number of controlled avalanches. Park officials say between 20 and 60 avalanches could be triggered over the weekend. The primary goal is to keep area highways and roads safe and clear. Typically, we deploy the explosives along the highway corridors with a helicopter and uh, we need reasonable flying conditions for that. And they get off the, the road on skis to assess how much snow has fallen and how that snow is reacting in the, uh, in the mountain environment there. Well, the avalanche risk was downgraded slightly to considerable from Friday's extreme warning. Travellers are being warned, though, of delays in the area. Highway 93, along with the Trans-Canada near the Alberta-BC border, were closed intermittently throughout the day for avalanche control activities. Animal rights advocates are sounding the alarm after dozens of pigs were killed in a highway crash near Keramios yesterday morning. It happened in the middle of the night in a remote area. The driver admits he didn't have the means to put down those animals that were suffering right away. He did the best he could to save as many as possible. A warning for you that you may find some of the images in this report disturbing. The disturbing images captured by our cameras difficult to watch, so we blurred them. A pig still twitching, clearly in distress, in the back of this transport trailer 14 hours after it flipped on Highway 3 near Karameas early Friday morning. The Candor trucking driver says he was hauling hundreds of pigs from Tabor, Alberta, to the Fraser Valley when he was cut off by another semi around 1 a.m. It's a double-sawed line, and, and he forced me into the shoulder. And when I caught the shoulder... My, my trailer uh, pin broke and the trailer started flipping. The driver says 70 pigs were killed in the crash. 10 were injured and had to be put down. 60 suffocated in the back of this trailer. The driver says 169 pigs survived and were transported to their final location, a slaughterhouse in Langley, late yesterday afternoon. Kielstra admits he didn't have the means to put all of the injured and suffering pigs out of their misery immediately. And I couldn't get anybody out here to, because otherwise I would have got somebody to put them down earlier. It's horrific. Animal rights advocates appalled by the suffering. They should have been taken to a vet and that should have been done immediately. That suffering should not have been extended. The RCMP says officers did assist with putting some of the animals down. Our members had the unfortunate task to have to uh, euthanize or dispatch at least three animals that were severely injured. The surviving livestock corralled to this nearby pasture and provided hay and feed until another transport truck arrived. We did whatever we could to save as many as we could. As for this distressed pig, he says it managed to survive. It was one we left intentionally because I thought, and it actually did get up and we got it onto the truck because it lived. Advocates say those responsible for transporting animals should have the resources and the training to deal with disaster. As for the driver, he says he did the best he could under difficult circumstances. Shelby Tom, Global News. A man has been charged in connection with a police pursuit spanning three cities. 32-year-old Kulwinderpal Singh Kosa is set to appear in court on Monday, charged with dangerous driving and fleeing police. Surrey RCMP received a report about a possible assault in a vehicle on Thursday night. When the car was found in Chilliwack, the driver allegedly reversed into the cruiser and then took off. There was a pursuit down Highway 1 into Abbotsford and Langley, as 
spike belt was deployed and the BMW eventually pulled over near 232nd Street. The passenger was found safe inside. Kosa remains in custody. Welcome back. Well, BC's Premier officially kicking off the Nanaimo by-election campaign today. Former MP Sheila Malcolmson taking on two well-known local opponents in one of the most important mid-term races in the province's history. Kristen Robinson reports. Our next MLA, Sheila Malcolmson. Sheila Malcolmson supported by John Horgan as she launches a by-election race where every handshake counts. We are in the campaign of our lives. The one-time MP and four-time municipal politician running to replace longtime Nanaimo MLA Leonard Krogh, who resigned the seat to become the city's mayor. It's about whether the good people of Nanaimo really want to have the possibility of a general election thrust upon the people of British Columbia. The future of our provincial government at stake in the January 30th showdown. If the Liberals win the seat, it will upset the NDP Green majority, creating a tie in the B.C. legislature. Speaker Daryl Plekis would be required to break any deadlocks, including confidence votes. We know the stakes are extremely high. The whole eyes of the whole province are all focused on Nanaimo, and that lends a special intensity to the campaign. Every vote matters, and you can't take anything for granted. The B.C. Liberals hoping to stake a claim in the historically NDP stronghold with candidate Tony Harris, the son of late businessman Tom Harris, campaigning for governments to get on board with a Nanaimo foot passenger ferry, the former one sinking in debt more than a decade ago. Well, there's already players that uh, have, have a business plan in place. The citizens of Nanaimo need quick transportation to downtown Vancouver from downtown Nanaimo without bringing the car along. Harris and Malcolmson face Michelle Ney, the daughter of longtime mayor Frank Ney, to unveil her green slate Sunday. Sheila, you go get him. <laughs> if she doesn't, a liberal victory would likely force an early general election. Kristen Robinson, Global News. A Vancouver Island company is stepping up again to help clear the dust in dirty school rugs. Lover Rug Services started cleaning classroom rugs for free last year after hearing teachers had filed a grievance over cutbacks. Not all school rugs in District 61 are vacuumed on a daily basis, so Dusty Roberts and his staff spent a month washing just more than 100 of them. That is down from the more than 400 last January. Lover says it doesn't mind giving back when school districts are underfunded due to budget cuts. The rugs are dirty, they're filthy, they're contaminated, and the schools have no way to wash them properly. The custodians, they do the best job they can by, by vacuuming them as much as they can. Um, of course, they wipe up the, you know, the bad stains and icky stuff, but they have no way to properly wash them, and we can't. It's a well-used part of the classroom, and... Often uh, what we're, all we're able to do is vacuum them and this really gives them a chance to clean them right through again. So they're, they're almost like brand new carpets. 
good for them. All right, the World Junior Championships is being touted as a success. This is even though Team Canada failed to win a medal. Victoria and Vancouver played host to the tournament, which features the best young hockey players from around the world. It was a heartbreak for Canadian fans after Team Canada had its worst finish for a Canadian junior team on home ice. But overall, organisers say BC should be very proud of how we played host to the world. The volunteer pool was, you know, as good as it gets, and uh, you know, operationally we couldn't we couldn't be happier. And uh, especially after Canada went out, uh, uh, that's when we were a little concerned. You know, the volunteers. It's one thing to be all uh, excited with Canada there, and everybody wants to be part of it. When Canada went out, it's, you can see guys that uh, you know, and they're putting in long hours to say, you know, this really isn't what I signed up for, and and stop showing up. But it hasn't happened. Uh, they they put on a show for. For all the British Columbians to be proud of that uh, when, when we host, we host like as if anybody's in it and, and we have. Yeah, and uh, just the right person to talk about this, uh, Barry. I mean, what's your take on that? Oh, yeah, they, they did run and uh, their uh, committee did this in 2006 as well, January mm-hmm. of 2006, and they did an outstanding job. Too bad that... Uh, the attention is on the organizing committee and not on the ice as Canada, as, as I mentioned, they lost out. The gold medal game is going on right now between USA and Finland. We all have highlights of that. Canucks are on the ice in Toronto against the Leafs. Seahawks are on the field in Dallas in the wild card. A lot of TVs going up in the sports department right now. So we'll have all that for you uh, coming up in a little bit. Welcome back. All police in California are searching for at least one gunman after a shooting at a bowling alley near Los Angeles. It killed three people and wounded four others. Police have not released the motive yet for the shooting, but witnesses say it was all sparked by a fight. The call came just before midnight. It's in an active shooter situation. We have multiple subjects down inside and outside Gable House. Panic inside a packed bowling alley in Torrance, California. Subject ran out the door of the parking lot, shooting in the parking lot also. Witnesses say what started as a fight ended in a shooting spree. I seen people running and I heard gunshots and I tried to get down and my daughter is right there, my niece is right there. We just, I told everybody to get down. Not everyone was able to. Police arrived to find three men dead, one of them Ashton Edwards, whose father says tried to break up the fight. Guy just walked up there and started shooting. They shot him in the heart. This morning, family's getting the worst possible news. I'm so numb right now, and I'm so angry. The mother of Robert Meekins making a personal plea to the man who killed her son. I'm asking you for please just turn this in. I don't have my baby, and my grandson don't have his father, so I gotta go home and tell this baby he's five that his daddy's not coming home. Tropical storm Pabuk has left thousands of people in Thailand homeless. Pabuk brought high winds, intense rainfall and surging seawater. The force of the storm, storm so strong that trees were brought down as well as power lines. One person was killed on a fishing boat that capsized near the coast. Meteorologists are now calling it the worst storm to hit Thailand in 30 years. Many beach destinations are also cleaning up from flash floods. And in central Chile, wildfires have scorched more than 2,600 hectares. Fire crews were eventually able to get a handle on the fires, but not before 60 homes were lost. That's left more than 100 people homeless in one town alone. This is just the beginning of the fire season there, and officials are now worrying about what is still ahead. 
Now, escape rooms are supposed to be fun, but in Poland, an escape room game turned deadly for five girls who were celebrating a birthday. NBC's Sarah Harmon has the details. A birthday celebration turned into tragedy. Five girls, all just 15 years old, found dead after a fire at this escape room in northern Poland. The likely cause, according to authorities, carbon monoxide poisoning. The prosecutor blaming a gas leak in the heating system for the blaze, which also left a male employee hospitalized with severe burns. Escape rooms are big business in Poland and around the world, with more than 2,000 locations across the U.S. Participants pay to be locked into a room and work together to solve puzzles in order to escape. A Hollywood movie called Escape Room released the same day as the fire spotlights the trend. I think this is the escape room. We should look for clues. What are we looking for here? Anything that looks like a puzzle or a code. Despite the tragedy, operators insist American escape rooms are safe. Each one of our rooms has fire extinguishers. Our game masters are also watching each game individually. Today, Poland's interior ministry ordered safety inspections at escape rooms across the country. As this house of fun becomes a makeshift memorial. Sarah Harmon, NBC News, London. An Arizona healthcare center is in the middle of a sexual assault investigation after one of its patients, who's been in a vegetative state for more than a decade, gave birth. The woman is unable to speak and can't move on her own. According to reports, staff didn't even know she was pregnant until she began moaning. Investigators say there are no cameras inside the hallways or rooms of the facility, so there's no immediate way to pinpoint a suspect. The healthcare centre says they are aware of this incident and they're fully committed to cooperating with the police. In Health Matters, a new study has found that women who have persistent hot flashes and night sweats may be more likely to be diagnosed with breast cancer. That's compared to women who don't have those symptoms. But researchers say while there may be an increased risk of the disease, there isn't a significant increase in mortality rates. Also tonight, a team of doctors in Chicago performed not one but two triple organ transplants on the same day. The two 29-year-old patients received a new heart, liver and kidneys. The operations took place just before Christmas, with the first procedures lasting 17 hours, the second one taking 20 hours. Both patients were suffering from heart failure, which was damaging their other organs. It is the first time in U.S. history a hospital has performed two such surgeries in the same year, let alone within hours. Welcome back. Well, we, before we get to everyone and our forecast, I uh, can tell you about heavy snow and how it caused travel chaos in Germany and Austria today. Officials at Munich Airport were forced to cancel 120 flights. Others were delayed while workers tried to clear the runway of snow and removed ice from planes. Thousands traveling home for the end of the holidays have been affected by this disruption. In Austria, roads had to be closed and the train service suspended due at because of the avalanche risk there. 
It was a much calmer scene in a northern Italy town after people woke up to nearly 200 centimetres of fresh snow this morning. Uh, the cats not looking all too happy with that heavy snowfall, though. A lot of cars getting stuck. Some people had to dig their way out in order to get out of their homes. Um, I can tell you, and I'm sure, Yvonne, you've got more details on the fact it is not looking that bad here <laughs> at all. And it'll stay as rain across the coast, but interior sections will see some snowfall, but not as significant as those areas. It is pretty soggy if you're out and about this evening, and the winds are going to ramp up uh, through the morning tomorrow. I'll have more on the warnings once again in just a moment. We're sitting at 9. It's been very mild. That's the high today. A southeasterly wind sustained out of the airport at 24 kilometers per hour, but we are seeing gusts of up to 33. How sound closer to 60 in areas near Victoria right now with a gust at 30 kilometers per hour, but the winds will ramp up for the morning on our Sunday and then ease off by the late afternoon. The moisture pushing in across the south coast, so falling as rain, but higher elevations could see a few wet flurries. Uh, we are looking at that rain to be heaviest overnight and the snowfall for the interior sections, especially leading in towards the morning if you are commuting and then continuing towards the evening hours. Once again, the warning that we're seeing for Victoria with gusts of up to 70 kilometers per hour and the special weather statement for the following areas in blue, we will see the winds sustained at 50 potentially and gusts of up to 70. Metro Vancouver is included within that. Here's what we're seeing along the mountain passes. The winter storm warning is for the Coquihalla with up to 25 centimeters. Kootenai Pass, 15 and up to 20 and lesser amounts along the Sea to Sky. Allison Pass, a range between 4 and up to 6 centimeters. Snowfall for the piece tomorrow. Gusty winds at times, up to 50 kilometers per hour. And then a nice break will start to kick in once again on Tuesday. Whitehorse, sunny and dry. Chilly, however, with temperatures only up to minus 25. Mainly cloudy across the north coast, but inland sections could see some flurry activity. Light snowfall and up to 5 centimeters through the day tomorrow. Monday, Tuesday along the coast, sunny and dry. Caribou and central interior snow developing this evening, 5 centimeters and additional 2 and 4 tomorrow. Columbia and Kootenai region, wet snowfall. It's higher elevations tomorrow that could see up to 4 centimeters. The Thompson Okanagan, a few wet flurries for the morning hours, changing over to showers. An isolated flurry or two on your Monday with a few sunny breaks in there. And similar for Whistler with the snowfall developing this evening, heavy at times for the village, lower elevations, 4 and up to 6 centimeters. A break on Monday and then the next round of moisture pushing in will fall as snow towards the evening and into Tuesday. Along the island right now, Victoria is where we're seeing the wind warning, gusts of up to 90 kilometers per hour. And this is for Sunday morning before it does start to ease off towards the afternoon. And very windy for us across Metro Vancouver through the morning hours. We could see even gusts of up to 70 kilometers per hour. Comfortable for our temperatures tomorrow will be at 6. The heaviest rain will be for the morning if you're making plans. And for the afternoon tomorrow, it should ease off to a chance of showers. The potential is there to even see some breaks. Monday, sunny and dry. And then by the evening, the next round of Moisture is going to push in quite blustery for our Tuesday, Wednesday. Sonia? All right. Thanks very much for that, Yvonne. Uh, an embarrassment for Chinese tech giant Huawei over the holidays. Uh, two employees tweeted a New Year's greeting to customers from the smartphone maker's official Twitter account. The problem is they did it from the competitor's device, an iPhone. The workers have been demoted and given a pay cut of roughly $1,000 Canadian. The tweet was quickly deleted, but not before it was mocked on social media. All right, I forgot to tell uh, Yvonne and you. Happy New Year. Yes, I Happy New Year to you too. Stop saying that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think you have a week's grace. As of tomorrow, I don't want to hear it. <laughs>
know, exactly. All right, what's going on with the, the Canucks? Yeah, there? hopefully it'll be a, a happy news in this new year for them concerning uh, their star. Thanks, Sonia. Elias Pettersson is not in the lineup tonight in Toronto, but head coach Travis Green hopes his young Swedish star will be back in the lineup soon. Pettersson is walking around pretty well. The Canucks don't play again until Thursday at home to Arizona. There is no timeline yet, but the injury looked much worse than it's turned out. So the Canucks have to be thankful for that. The rest are on the ice right now versus the Leafs. We've got highlights. And the Canucks, the 3-3 three and three without Elias in the lineup. And there he is walking in before the game. So no noticeable limp. That's positive. The Canucks say they will update his status after this game. Leafs strike first in this one. John Tavares showing some nice hands to flex the Morgan Riley point shot. 27th of the year for JT on pace for his first ever 50-goal season. The Canucks get a chance. Bo Horvat driving the net, but Michael Hutchinson with the save. The Leafs down to their third goalie right now, thanks to injuries. But the Canucks did not find the back of the net tonight. Later in the first, Leafs of rookie Trevor Moore dangles around Derek Pouliot and goes five-hole. Pouliot with another poor defensive play. That is a great goal, but you can't be walked around like that in the NHL. 2-0 Leafs after one early second. Sven Berchi hard wrister right off Hutchinson's mask. That's using your head. Remains 2-0. Early third, Austin Matthews with the wraparound and squeezes through the pads of Jacob Markstrom. He's been very good on this road trip. Maybe out a little bit. Did not have the best third period, as you can see here. Andreas Janssen from a sharp angle. And that finds the back of the net, too. The Leafs added one more, and it's now just a final just moments ago. 5-0, so the Canucks shut out for the third time in four games. They're on their way home. they got a five-day break. Next up, Arizona on Thursday. Sean Monaghan and the Western Conference leading Flames in Philadelphia this afternoon. Second period, Monaghan and Johnny Gaudreau combined to tie it up. Gaudreau firing home his 24th of the year, 1-1 after two. Third period, Flames were down 2-1. Four minutes to go, but it's Matthew Kachuk with the quick wrister past Carter Hart, the Flyers' rookie goalie. Kachuk's 19th ties it at two, and then in overtime, a long two-on-one. Kachuk and TJ Brody. Kachuk, perfect pass. Brody skating hard to join the rush, uh, gets rewarded with the game winner. Flames take it 3-2. They have 56 points, second overall in the NHL behind only Tampa Bay. Habs and Predators from Montreal, P.K. Subban's old stomping grounds, and Subban did get a couple of assists in this game. Matthias Ekholm with the point blast made it 2-0 Predators, and then in the second, now 2-1, Craig Smith jostling in front with Carey Price. Missed the deflection, but then scores on the wraparound. The Habs asked for a coach's review for goalie interference, but the goal stood 3-1 right now, very late in the third for Nashville. It would have been awesome to have Canada playing for goal today at the World Juniors here in Vancouver, but... Canada's been on the sidelines since their shocking overtime loss in the quarters to Finland. The Finns and the Americans are on the ice right now at Rogers Arena playing for the gold medal. USA defenseman Quinn Hughes, Canucks first rounder last June, and his younger brother Jack projected to be the number one pick at this draft in June, which will be held in Vancouver. Wouldn't that be something if the Canucks won the lottery and got to pick him? Americans had a good chance early. Alex Kanobelski can't finish, though, against the Finns. Scoreless after one. Just one goal so far. It comes mid-second. Jesse Yelonen with the blast there. And it's 1-0 Finland, and they are in 
the second intermission. Earlier, the bronze medal game, Russia and Switzerland. Second period, 3-1 Russians, a wild sequence. Russian goalie Peter Kochkakov with two amazing Hashik-like saves, but the Swiss still score. Yannick Bruschweiler bats it in. Swiss down just one, three to two, but in the third, Kirill Slepich with his blazing speed. That was his second. He also got his hat for goal into the empty net, and the Russians take the bronze medal 5-2 over Switzerland. National Lacrosse League, Vancouver Warriors have been on the road during the World Junior Tournament, and they lose again. They were up in this game, but fall 10-8 to Georgia, so Vancouver now drops to 1-3. and three. Canada has a new teen tennis sensation. 18-year-old Bianca Andreescu of Mississauga, Ontario, has advanced to her first ever WTA final. She continued her dream run in New Zealand this week with a straight sets semifinal victory. Andreescu has already knocked off former world number ones uh, Caroline Wozniacki and Venus Williams. Today she beat 28 seed. Sei Su Wei of Taiwan, another very good player. Andrew Eskew has hit all the shots this week. She's got power and finesse, which is a great combination. Then on match point, Su Wei is long, and Andrew Eskew's dream week continues as she takes the match 6-3-6-3. She will meet German Julia Gerges in the final 10.30 p.m. our time tonight. Andrew Eskew started the week ranked 143rd. She's up to 108. Welcome back. Before this NFL season began, not many people thought the Seahawks had any chance to make the playoffs, but Seattle's arguably been one of the best teams in the NFC the second half of the season. The Seahawks have depended on their ground attack to control games, and they took that strategy into Dallas tonight against the Cowboys. Cowboys 7-1 home record, so Seattle with a tough task. Dallas got a field goal in their opening possession, then this gruesome ankle break for receiver Alan Hearns. He was stretchered off, and uh, the game was delayed for about 10 or 15 minutes. Seahawks offense non-existent in the first quarter. Russell Wilson sacked here. No first downs. Five net yards offense in the first, but they were only down 3-0. The defense held strong, and Seattle finally did get it going in the second. Wilson going to Tyler Lockett. 40-yarder down to the Dallas 12, led to a field goal, tied it at 3 the Cowboys then missed a long field goal. Seattle got good field possession and Russell Wilson to Lockett one more time. What a catch by Lockett, adding so much to the, their receiver with uh, Doug Baldwin as well. Dallas did get a late touchdown, 10-6. They are at the half now in Dallas. Meanwhile, earlier in the AFC, Andrew Luck and the Colts, 9-1 in their last 10, red hot at Houston. Luck has had an, an amazing comeback after missing all of last season with a shoulder injury. Finds Eric Ebron on the first drive to make it 7-0. Second drive, Colts get another touchdown. Marlon Mack from two yards out, 14-0. Luck was a surgeon in the first half, carving up the Texan defense. 18-yard here, a touchdown pass to former Toronto Argo, Argo rather, Dontrell Inman. Colts uh, moving on, beat the Texans 21-7. Indianapolis will play the Kansas City Chiefs next week in Kansas City after their 21-7 victory. FA Cup, third round, Alexis Sanchez, Man United taking on Reading, second last in the English First Division, so on paper it should be a United win from the spot. Juan Mata will score there. Then Romelu Lukaku will close out the opening half with a slick move, 2-0 the final. As United advance to the fourth round of the FA Cup, they are 5-0 under their new manager, Ole Gunnar Sochar. 
PGA Tour, Century Tournament of Champions from Maui, third round. Rory McIlroy made a big charge today. Bogey-free, five under 68, five birdies, including that short one on 14. Got him into a tie for the lead with Gary Woodland, but the American Woodland pulled away thanks to this magnificent effort for Eagle on 15 from 64 feet in the middle of the cup. Woodland at 17 under as a three-shot lead on McElroy. Final round tomorrow. Just a 33-man field. All winners on tour last year. NBA tonight. Raptors and Bucks from Milwaukee. Top two teams in the East. Bucks leading by just a half game as the night began. Kawhi Leonard plays big in the big games. Running up the floor. Stops and pops from three. Cuts the Bucks lead to two. Bucks star Giannis Antetokounmpo with the drive and score here. And it's now 57-56 Milwaukee as they have reached the half. And we've got some World Cup bobsled for you. Great day for Canada on both the men's and women's side. Justin Cripps, who's an SFU grad and the 2018 co-gold medalist in two-man, hit the podium again today with Brakeman Cam Stones. Cripps won this race last year, ended up with silver today. It's his ninth World Cup podium. He's one of the best two-man bobsledders in the world. Meanwhile, the women also got silver. This more of a surprise. Christine De Bruin from Alberta got her first ever World Cup podium. She was seventh at the Olympics and came off the pace today. Sixth after her first run, but climbed all the way to get second and the silver medal. Here's a look at your snow report for today. Whistler Blackcomb with 8 new centimeters, Cypress 4, Grouse with a base of 208, and Sasquatch 175. Revelstoke with 3 new centimeters, Manning Park 9, Whitewater with a base of 181. Big White with a base of 170, 153 for Silver Star, Sun Peaks 138. Kicking Horse with 7 new centimeters, 8 for Mount Washington, and 2 for Powder King. All very useful information. Thank you for that. <laughs> of All right. So actor Jason Momoa. Um, you might know him for his role in Game of Thrones and star of Aquaman, of course. He's been enjoying the past few days in Whistler. Got a special treat from a local band when he spent an evening at a popular Irish pub. Take a look. <laughs> Now, which, oh, none of us have watched Game of Thrones, but I know there's many fans out there, so you will recognise that. The band playing the theme song uh, to that show at the Dublin Gate Irish Pub in Whistler to pay tribute to their special guest. And they posted this video to the social media three days ago and have gotten hundreds of shares. Momoa tweeting about hitting the slopes of Whistler on New Year's Eve. So thank you very much, uh, Jason Momoa, for putting Whistler on the map. And I have been to that pub, however, many times. <laughs> yes, I have too. They do pull a good pint. They do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for watching. Have a great evening. Jordan will be here at 11. Good night.